with grace and mercy. Let healing and redemption find searching souls. Oh, yes, Lord God. Lord, have your way. We humbly pray. Thank you, Lord. This is your hand. Guarantee you one thing. There's a little lady sitting right back there that is so happy to be here in this house tonight. Erica Parker. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord for his mercy to us. So appreciate his grace and all that he means to us, don't we? Let's turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. While you're turning, Brother Louie gave me a, an announcement to make for tonight, and it was shocking. Brother Earl and Sister Faye are getting married on Friday. I said, why so soon? He said, well, they're all both old. <laughs> Better hurry up if they're going to do it. <laughs> so we wish them congratulations. May the Lord bless them and be with them. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Chapter 4, verse 1. The very next scripture now, after this happens there at the river. Then when Jesus 
led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Wow. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. You mean after getting the Holy Ghost, the very next thing is this? Hmm. Listen to this in a sermon called Witnesses. Brother Branham says, isn't it strange how God leads his people? Very strange. Just as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Just as soon as Israel came out under the blood, circumcised, the Holy Spirit leading them in the form of a light right straight up to the Red Sea. And there cornered. Mountains on one side, desert on the other, Pharaoh's army coming, and the Red Sea cutting them off. God led them right up to that place. And he asked this question, why? To get glory. Praise the Lord. To get glory. Then Moses prayed and God told him to step right on down toward the Red Sea, holding his stick out in front of him as he walked the Red Sea, moved from one side to the other, right across the Red Sea. Why? God's paths led through. Listen at God's path led through. And as soon as they came out there, right into the wilderness of sin, strange, God's path led right through that great temptation there when they murmured against God. They went from there on and from one murmur to another, from one trial to another. Wow. Anybody ever been there? I'd like to speak to you tonight on this. <clears throat> Great trials after blessings. Great trials after blessings. How many would like to be remembered tonight as we pray? God bless you. Hold your request in your heart there. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be here, Lord, and we've already sensed your presence. For that, we are so grateful. Lord God, I pray that you would help me to be able to get out of the way tonight, Jesus. Apparently, some of your children have some needs. I've been studying all week, even last week, for what I thought tonight's service would be. But this evening, you changed me, Lord. So I know when you do that, it's for a purpose. So I pray we would be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Minister to us tonight, Lord. Not only the visible audience, but the invisible that'll string. Grant it, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'll be the first to admit to you tonight that I sure don't always understand God's ways. The way that he leads his people, the way that he allows things to happen and things to come up, 
in our lives and things to uh, set us back, really, and things that will affect us sometimes in a, in a very profound, positive way, and then on the other hand, sometimes in a very negative way. We scratch our heads, as it were, and we try to understand it and figure it out, and I'm sure you're probably like I am. You get to a place to where you think, I don't need me try to figure it out. I can't. God's way is just so far beyond our way. And we read from this tonight in Matthew, one of the most profound, astounding events that had ever been recorded in the Scripture. When the Father God comes down into His humanity, His Word, or we call it His Son, no doubt we are still feeling the reverberation of what happened that day on the river. I wonder sometimes if we still comprehend all that was taking place in that one event. And yet, it was so miraculous, so phenomenal, so profound, so wonderful, so outstanding, that you think an event like that, the, the results would be ongoing for weeks and weeks. A person living on the after effects of such glory. Now, the Lord Jesus, we believe he was both God and man. Is that right? <clears throat> but we know as far as his humanity, he was not born God. He was not born with the fullness of the Godhead bodily in him. He was a man, but he was the Word. But remember, God separated the anointing from the Word. So he was the Word made flesh, but so is a tree. A tree is the Word made bark and leaves and life. An animal was the Word made skin and hair and all of that. So the Lord Jesus was Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah 9, 6, Isaiah 35, 3, many of those scriptures, and he was the Word. But the Father had not yet come in his body. And here it happens, and we see what a great thing that it was that John, hearing this great sound and maybe telling him to lift up his eyes, and when he does, he sees this pillar of fire as it comes down, and John hears the voice and this great, great event happening on the earth. And you'd think that after this event happening, surely the Lord Jesus would go into great healing campaigns. Wouldn't he go out and just be rejoicing of what had happened in his life? He just received the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If you can take it this way, because this is the way the prophet said it, he just received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And what happened after he received it? All hell broke loose. I just wonder sometimes after God goes to doing things for us and in our lives, and he will allow things like this to happen to us, and if he doesn't do it for a great reason, and yet we look at it and think, 
something must be wrong. Something, I I must have missed God somehow. And where I, I got to thinking about this was my mind in the last week or so, I've been thinking about the youth camp and thinking about all the hundreds of people that were there, youth and others that were there as well, how many miracles happened and how many lives were touched and changed and affected by the power of God. But I know I think kind of strange and weird sometimes, but I was also wondering how many of those lives that were so impacted by the power of God, I wonder how many of those young people went back home and went back to their church and their job and the the other adults that were there as well. And since that week, a couple of weeks ago, they have had one battle after another after another. And I began to think about our own young people that are sitting here tonight, wondering in my mind for some of you that felt like you received the Holy Ghost. And I wonder if some of you have been battling things in your mind. Well, I must not have got it. I I messed up after I got back home and I I thought this would happen and that would happen. And I, I began to look at this and realize that sometimes God lets it happen this way. After he will do great things for us in our lives and then it's amazing that he doesn't give us a long term sometimes for us to be able to enjoy that tremendous blessing. And before you know it, when we are able to receive this thing that God has done, whether it's a new job for you or it's a new wife or you got a, you know, a child has come or whatever it is that just such a blessing to you and your home or something has happened and you know, you've been waiting for it and longing for it. And before you get to really go and enjoy that thing, then here comes one trial after another and one test after another. And it seemed like that it just robs the joy of that newfound blessing that God gave you in your life. And you think, Lord, why would you let this happen? But yet we see here in the life of the Lord Jesus that the Lord Jesus did not even have two hours. He did not have from the day of his baptism until the next day or the next week. Now remember, he lived his life on the earth as a man without the Holy Ghost. So he lived as he was eight, nine, 10, then he becomes a teenager, then he becomes in his early 20s, and then middle 20s, late 20s, and then now he comes up to 30 years old, and he's lived all these years on the earth as a human being without the fullness of the Father in him. And he gets the fullness of the Father in him. Now, we have no record that he shouted or jumped or anything like that. We have no record that he spoke in tongues when he got it, but we know that he did speak in tongues later. But we really don't have any record of the joy that the Lord Jesus must have felt of him got be able to receive that, of being able to even enjoy it before he goes into this tremendous trial that only, only he would be the only one that would ever be able to face such a thing. Now, it was not like he got to enjoy 
this baptism of the Holy Ghost, the fullness of the Father coming in him. It was just like he went straight from that, straight into this tremendous trial. Now, I know we read in Matthew 4 and also Luke 4, and both of them catch this, and they both phrase it a little bit differently. But we know that there was these three great trials that the Lord Jesus faced. And remember, he did not uh, face them as an actor, that, well, I'll act like I'm being tempted. No, he was actually tempted. Satan offered him the kingdoms of the world. Remember, I preached it to you years ago, a kingdom without a Calvary. And the Lord Jesus, as a man, was tempted to take that easy way. Now, think that he had just received the fullness of the Father in him, and yet he had hardly any time at all to enjoy whatever that that had brought to his life. So he goes straight from there, walks right out of the water. I'm not talking about three days, four days, five days, but he goes straight out of the water, led of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I wonder how many here tonight's ever went from a great experience with God or a great blessing with God and it's just, you go straight from that into a trial. And you think, Lord, what in the world is going on with me? Well, you know, you ought to take it in one way as a compliment. Because there must be something about you that's like the Lord Jesus. Now, you know, this does not happen to everyone that professes Christianity. This does not happen to everyone who says they are a believer. Everyone cannot handle this great caliber of tests and trials. Now, you say, oh, I wish you didn't love me so much sometimes. I understand that feeling. Yeah, and you find favor with God, you go through trials and tests, and sometimes you wish, wow, I wish I didn't have so much favor with you. But that's only the human side. In reality, I'm glad I've got favor in his eyes. Now, I know that we tend to look at healing, signs, wonders, miracles, and all of that, and we believe every one of those things, but to me, there's more favor with God than just that, because according to the words of the Lord Jesus, there will be people that will stand there that day, and no doubt there'll be preachers that'll be in that group, and they'll say, we cast out devils in your name, heal the sick in your name, down this and that and the other, and he'll look straight at them and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. So, just because people have miracles and signs and wonders don't even mean they're the elect of God. Is that right? But yet God does not, cannot give these types of trials to those that are not his own. Now, notice again, we read in Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. Now I realize we're living in a day whenever the word trans, T-R-A-N-S, it's in our news media every day, 
If you get a newspaper, it's there. If you get whatever news you've got on your phone, trans this and trans that and trans something else. Well, let me tell you what kind of trans that I believe in tonight, okay? Because I do believe in certain trans, and this is one of them, transfigured. There is another trans that I believe in, and that is transformed. Amen. Now this other stuff where you go to a doctor and you were born a boy, you were born a boy, and when you come out of surgery, you're automatically a girl. I call that an abomination. Oh, I know they put up a new billboard down on Milligan Highway. They put up a new billboard this week down on the Milligan Highway, and they're they're saying that uh, queer is holy. Trans is holy. Go down through the whole list and say it is holy. That is an abomination in the eyes of God. Well, praise the Lord. But we do believe trans. And what I say is all them people who say that need to meet God and be transformed. Praise the Lord. Well, that'll get us in trouble, but that's all right. What's new about that? Now, notice what happened then. The Lord Jesus was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here if thou wilt. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. What a great time. It must have been an awesome thing. You can imagine that here is Peter, James, and John. They are seeing Moses and Elijah in glorified bodies. They are standing there looking at the Lord Jesus, and one moment he was a mortal. And then they see something sweep over him, and they see his visage change on his face, and he becomes white like light emanating out of his presence. And Peter gets so tore up that he said, oh my, what a, what a place. Let us build three tabernacles. Let's make one for the law and one for the prophets and one for you. Now, you know what this is. It is emotion. Peter is so emotional under this presence. No doubt he'd never felt anything like it before in his life. So Peter just gets so tore up and he gets so emotional that he says something totally contrary to what the father is gonna say. Now, you see, this ought to be a warning to each of us that when the presence of God comes near, that we want to worship and we want to respond, but we want to make sure that our emotion does not lead us contrary to God's word. Is that right? We know the Spirit of God never does that. It'll always be in decency and in order, of course. And while he yet spake, now while Peter was yet talking, God interrupted Peter. Why? Because what Peter had to say wasn't right. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice out of the cloud, notice, a voice out of the cloud, which said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. It ain't time for Moses to talk. It ain't time for Elijah to talk. And it sure ain't time for you to talk, Peter. 
Hold your peace. What you're saying ain't right, boy, but listen to what Jesus has got to say. Now, notice what a great thing this was and the presence of God up on the mountain and then you imagine the apostles as they were standing there and they see this thing as it gradually came on Jesus and no doubt the glory began to dissipate again and it and glory of God was little by little by little began to leave him and Jesus maybe staggering as a man and standing there and they had to kind of support him because this was leaving his flesh and I'm sure that as a man that it made him weak because the woman's one touch made him weak. And the Shekinah glory of God, it tends to do that to human flesh. And maybe Jesus was teetering a little bit and kind of coming at himself and, and didn't know what to say. Maybe stuttering a little as he talked. And all the apostles were so elated. They were so blessed by what they had seen. Not another mortal down through time had ever seen such a thing. Now, what a glory that this was. But I want you to notice later in this chapter. Now, those of you that know the chronology of the Bible and the chronological order, you know that this happened not too long before the Lord Jesus is going to be crucified. So he goes from this great glory, he's going to go shortly after this to Mount Calvary. But before Calvary ever comes, notice with me in verse 22 of Matthew 17. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, the son of man shall be betrayed into the hands of men and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. Now they come straight from this mountaintop experience of hearing the voice of God say, this is my beloved son. And God said, this is my son, so hear ye him. Well, now Jesus, this is what he says. They are going to betray me, I'm gonna be sold, and I'm gonna be killed. Well, now the son is speaking, and how did it make them feel? It made them feel not just sorry, but they were feeling such an extreme, exceeding sadness and sorrow in the heart. After such an experience, well, wouldn't you think that if the son is going to speak, it would be you're healed and you're delivered and you're set free. The son is going to speak about death and sorrow? Well, you know, he does us the same way sometimes. Sometimes he'll tell us, well, well you're gonna be healed and this is gonna happen. Thus saith the Lord, that's gonna happen. And then there's other times that he gives us encouraging scriptures and encouraging quotes, which lets us know our healing is down the road maybe a ways. It don't mean he's gonna do it tomorrow. Now, don't sit there and look at me like that don't discourage you. It does me. Whenever I'm praying, I told the Lord the other day, I said, Lord, I need a word from you so bad. I'm begging you, give me a word. God, you know, you know where I'm at. You know, Lord, what I'm praying about. You know I need a word from you so bad. And you know what he said? Nothing. I told him the next day the same thing. You know what he said? Nothing. I told him the same thing today. You know what he said? Nothing to me, but gave me this for you. 
So I'm thinking, sir, do you know my address? You need my email? You need my phone number so you can text me? So it's like he just bypassed me, but he wanted you to hear this. Well, maybe my word's after you tonight. Now, so, Brother Donnie, are you so discouraged you're going to quit? Are you kidding me? Quit? How could I quit something I never started in the first place? Well, does that mean that now you've got a problem with God? Absolutely. I have no problem with God. I've got a problem with me. I'm always a hindrance. It ain't never been God. I've been serving him all my life, and I, he ain't never been no problem. It's always been me. Anybody else honest enough here tonight to say the same thing about yourself? Now, notice how that whenever the Lord Jesus bringing this straight from this mountaintop experience and the Son speaks and the Son brings a message of exceeding sadness and something that would bring them a heaviness of their heart. I wonder how many of you young people that was at the camp down in Louisiana, have any of y'all had any trials and tests and difficulties since you got back home? And you go, oh, Brother Johnson, oh, oh, Brother John, you're not even a young person. You raised your hand. Well, apparently these things are not respect to persons, 18 and under. Anyone else, any of you young people? And you come back so fired up, and now you're saying, Lord, what in the world happened to me? I'm like an old model T. I couldn't hardly stand still down at camp. What in the world's the matter with me? I feel so draggy. Well, maybe you're following in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus. But let me just encourage you tonight to tell you that I don't think the Lord wants our expectation to be high just for Louisiana Youth Camp. And then we come back to our home church and well, it's church as usual. It's Brother Donnie, it's Brother Darrell, it's whoever it is. No, I believe our expectation ought to be through this roof when we come in here because he's the same God right here in Johnson City as he was in Dry Creek, Louisiana. Is that right? But we have to understand sometimes what's going on. Now, notice how Luke relates this in Luke chapter 9, verse 37. Luke brings it this way that when Jesus comes off of the mountain, the Mount Transfiguration, and it came to pass that on the next day, when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, he suddenly cries out, and it tears him that he foameth again, and bruising him hardly departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. So here the Lord Jesus now comes down from this great experience and Luke in his own way writes it a little bit different than the other authors do and he catches this so we could see that after Jesus coming off of the mountain that he meets a disappointment and who's this disappointment with? It's with the preachers that are following him. So this man brings his boy to the message preachers and the message preachers of that day, they pray for him and pray for him and who knows what they done, but they could not get this spirit to leave him. Now here's the Lord Jesus after this great experience. Can you imagine how he must have felt as a man? Disappointment. The disappointment of these men are the ones that's gonna take the message on. 
These are the men that I've given them power. Remember, he had already given them excusing authority to cast out evil spirits. But this one was a tough one. This one was one that could not just be cast out by a little feeling. This one had to come by prayer and fasting. Now, the Lord Jesus then is met with this. I want you to notice how he addresses them. I besought thy disciples to cast them out, and they could not. Jesus answering and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Now, can you imagine coming out of the glory of God and seeing the Lord Jesus in his future kingdom? What happened on the Mount Transfiguration, which they say was Tabor, Mount Tabor, whenever John and Peter and James saw that, it was a prefigure of what is going to be the onset of the kingdom of God. That was the Lord Jesus, the resurrected Son of God. That was Moses, the resurrected dead. That was Elijah, those which are alive and changed. That was Peter, James, and John. Three that were standing there, not in glorified bodies. There were the people at the bottom of the foot of the mountain, a prefigure of the coming kingdom of the Son of God. And yet he has to leave that glory and come out and address a people like this in a way of rebuke. What a contrast. So he leaves that Shekinah glory of God and he has to address people and call them by these terms. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. What a grieving that must have been to the Lord Jesus. How long shall I be with you and suffer you. Oh my goodness. So he comes straight from the mountain out of the glory of God and he has to stand up there and rebuke the people and say, how long am I even gonna put up with you all? You imagine them saying, well, Lord have mercy. What kind of preacher is this? Boy, he must have got up on the wrong side of the bed. No, he'd ever. It wasn't him on the wrong side of the bed. It's them on the wrong side of faith. And you see, when God will have his servants to rebuke us, it ain't because God dislikes us, and it's not because they dislike us. It's to shake us out of a faithless time that we're going through and to shake ourselves and realize these things are part of being a child of God. And actually, we prove our faithfulness to God when the trial hits us after the blessing, more so than we do when we're getting the blessing when it comes. You see, it's really easy. Oh, my, you young people that was there and you adults that was there and the anointing was so great and the miraculous was so great. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, My goodness, I believe about anybody could live right in that atmosphere, but that is not the way it works. You're gonna leave from there and you're gonna go back to your home, back to your school, back to your job, same way with any of you that God has moved for you and you're gonna face things that's gonna be so difficult and say, well, what happened? Absolutely nothing. You're in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. We sing the song, to be like Jesus. Oh, how long to be like him, do we? Do we wanna be like him like this? Or we just want signs, wonders, and miracles? Well, praise the Lord. Now, notice, oh my, Jesus says, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. Notice again, now down at verse 46. So we again come off of the mountain. He has to deal with this faithless and perverse generation. And then verse 46, then there arose a reasoning among them. Which of them 
should be the greatest. Now, no doubt this is preachers, of course. <laughs> Which of them should be the greatest? Now, can you imagine the Lord Jesus has just the day before stood in this glorified, premature glorified condition, and he's got to hear these guys arguing and fussing of which one of them is gonna have the biggest church or the biggest ministry or who streams them more or we have more live views than you do and we do this and that and the other. How carnal. And the Lord Jesus has to step out of the glory of God and come back down to the earth to deal with this kind of stuff, sort of like you, coming out of the presence of God and having to go to school and having to go to work, having to go to, to family members that sometimes don't believe what you believe or people that just wants to argue and fuss and debate and you think, my goodness, what in the world's the matter with me? Don't sound like to me there's not nothing matter with you. It just sounds like you're going in the same way the Lord Jesus went. I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. So what are we going to do when we come to these times of verse 22, verse 46? What are we going to do? We're going to say, well, I guess I didn't get nothing. I guess I didn't get the Holy Ghost after all. I went through the prayer line and I guess I didn't get one thing. You're letting the devil talk you right out of your miracle. You're letting the devil talk you right out of the blessing that God, but Brother Donnie, I thought I got the Holy Ghost at Kent and I made a mistake and I fell short of the glory of God. Welcome to the real world. This is after camp. This is after Sunday morning. This is after our dedication service. This is after when the special speaker preaches and we say, oh my, oh glory to God. Oh, I, I love special meetings. I love special meetings. But don't you understand what makes special meetings special? If we didn't have the special presence of God already here on Wednesday and Sunday before the special meetings, they wouldn't be near special as they are. So you see, about our everyday walk with God, our everyday pressing. But Brother Donnie, sometimes I come to church and I don't feel like clapping my hands. I understand. Sometimes I come to church and I just feel so down. I understand. So you say, well, I ain't gonna clap my hands. In. Okay, so I'll make a deal with you. Sometimes I come to church, I don't feel like preaching. So if I walk out and you're not saying amen and you're not clapping your hand, does that mean the deal between me and you is as long as you're silent, I don't have to preach? As long as you're just sitting there looking at me, then I can go over and sit down in this chair and look at you. Oh, you don't like that kind of deal, do you? But how do you want me to be? You want me to stand up like this? I've been having a hard time. It's been mighty rough. Been going through a lot of tests. If I went on that way for 15 minutes, some of y'all would be bawling your eyes out. Dear God, if Brother Donnie's down, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to act like we got the victory, even sometimes when we don't. We're going to praise him, even when we don't feel like it. We're going to sing with all of our hearts. We're going to clap our hands. We're going to worship. Amen. But 
Brother Donnie, you mean even when we don't feel it, especially when we don't feel it, because it's a whole lot easier to jump up and down when the anointing is all over you. It's a whole lot easier to say, devil, where are you at when the anointing is all over you and your hair is sticking up on the back of your neck? It's another thing when you don't feel God nowhere. It's another thing when it seems like God's 10,000 miles from you and you still stand up, Brother Jonathan, and say, you better back off, devil, because I'm a son of God when I feel it. I'm a son of God when I don't. I've got victory when I feel it. I've got victory when I don't. Amen. I may be down here dealing in verse 22. I may be down here dealing in verse 46, but I am an overcomer where I'm in verse 1 or verse 5 or verse 22 or verse 46. I want to be an overcomer in every verse. I want to be an overcomer when I'm sick, when I'm weary. If I get down, if I get blue, I want to be able to stand and look that devil in the face and say, no, no, devil, no, devil. Brother John, I want to ask you a question, buddy. Did you feel kind of down the other night after you preached? Really? Oh, my goodness. You think of that. Brother Darrell, do you ever feel down after you preach? You do. Now, I want you to think of that. A man that's been preaching for decades of his life. Seen great miracles. One of these days, you folks will realize how God uses our brother. They don't go around telling everybody. But it's phenomenal the things that God has done through it. Oh, I'd rather give him a rose now than whenever they roll up here and I have to preach over him. Praise the Lord. But does he always feel like it? No. He said, how do you know? Because he's called me before. Laying on the floor in the motel room. On his back with his legs up on the bed like this. Crying in agony and pain. Brother Donnie, I've got to go preach in a few minutes. Would you please pray for me? I don't think I can do it. But you know what he done? He got up, got dressed, went and mashed the devil's mouth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Oh, Hallelujah. Notice here, so there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of the heart, took a child and set him by him. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. Now he's humbling these apostles. And John, notice this, and John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him. Glory to God. John the beloved. Wonder where his beloved went then. We forbade him because he didn't go to our church. I hate that old stinking denominational thing. Because he followeth not us. Wow. John. John of all people, John. And Jesus said unto him, forbid him not. For he that is not against us is for us. 
And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Look, this happened, all this great thing, and then he's hit with one thing after another, among who the Pharisees describes his followers. You can expect infidels to do this. You can expect heathens and unbelievers to do this. But when believers do it, preacher, apostles, Peter, James, John, oh, how discouraging it must have been. And he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face and they went and entered into the village. And they went, notice, of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him. So you come straight from this mountain. People don't understand. Apostles fussing. Your apostles can't cast out devils. Now you're going, you're just going through this village. And they won't even receive you there. I wonder how he must have felt to take this attitude now to the cross. Instead of having people standing there on the side, oh, Jesus, die for me. Jesus, die for me. Go, please, I beg you, please. Please, I need it, I need it. Instead, they were laughing, making fun, ridiculing. And not one of the apostles, except for John, was even there with him to encourage him. Oh, my goodness. And then we complain about what we have to go through. Now notice what happens. They wouldn't receive Jesus. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? We've got a scripture for it. Even as Elias did. Glory to God, I feel it. <laughs> it ain't right. You treat our Lord Jesus that way. Oh, you, want, you want us to do it? Well, I hate to inform them, but they couldn't have done it. You know why? Their attitude was totally wrong. We don't believe me. Listen to what Jesus said. But he turned and rebuked them. And all of this happens after Mount Transfiguration. But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit you are of. Kind of reminds me of us sometimes and folks across us. We're ready to turn them into serpent seed. Bless God, how could they be bright? You know what? Ain't none of us got no magnifying glass and we got the Holy Ghost to look down in people's soul and see if they're seed or not. Let God do the sorting, friends. Let us just live right and do what's right. Let, 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 let God take care of all the rest of that stuff. He's the only one that can anyway. So what do we see? That great trials can come after such wonderful, wonderful, phenomenal blessings. And it's not that you're out of the will of God when you're going through it. So when God brings the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, my, they hardly get any time at all to be able to enjoy the blessings of God, 
to enjoy their freedom. They've been down there for 430 years. They don't even have it a few days before the tests start coming. And you say, God, why would you do this? Why would you do this? Why not let us enjoy our newfound liberty? Why would you send us straight into trials? Exodus 32, 15, and Moses turned and went down from the mount. Now remember, he's been up there receiving the law of God. Erica sent me a little thing the other day, and it said, had a thing of Moses standing there with the Ten Commandments in his hand, and he said, Moses was the first one to use a tablet. <laughs> Mine's been messing up like crazy. It was acting up back there in the office before I come out. Moses had one that wasn't made by iPad. So Apple had nothing to do with it. So it's pretty reliable, I figure, don't you? Written with the finger of God. Coming out of that and Moses' face so shone that they had to put a veil over his face because he'd been with God so long, he took on the very image of God. Moses turned and went down from the mount and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides, one on the one side and one on the other they written. And the tables, the work of God and the writing was the writing of God. Graven upon the tables. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it's not the voice of them that shout for mastery. Neither is the voice of them that cry for being overcome. It is the noise of them that sing, do I hear. Now notice he comes straight from the very presence of God. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh into the camp, he saw Oh, my Lord, the calf. So you come straight from God's presence into your church, and you see the people practicing idolatry, worshiping a calf. Now, you know, there's a paradox about Moses. I can't say that I understand. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man on the earth. But that old boy had a temper like a buzzsaw. I'm not sure how that goes together. I've met a few people like that myself. I know a few preachers like that, actually. And yet, he was the meekest man that was on the earth, but still yet had a real temper. Now, I want you to notice what this does to him. It so bends him out of shape, as we say, that he came to pass as soon as he came down to the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses Anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mountain. Now, we're not talking about six months after he was up there. We're not talking about three years. We're talking about he comes straight from the mountain of God and takes the journey down, and he comes down and hears the noise, and he sees the calf, and just immediately out of the presence of God gets so upset. And you know who did it? It was not the oxen of the camp. It was not the sheep of the camp, natural sheep. It was not camels. It was not animals. It was his people. His people. Mama. And he took the calf, which they had made, and burned it in the fire. 
ground it to powder. Of course, no doubt all this has been done in such meekness and humility. Now you imagine him just taking the powder, the calf, and just then, oh, glory to God. He set me free. I imagine there's some slamming going on. God said, calm down, Moses. Calm down. You don't want none of that water, do you, boy? <laughs> he burned him with fire and ground it to powder and shot it upon the water made the children of Israel to drink. So you go straight from that to this in your church. So this is your first service after you receive your tablet. <laughs> he didn't even have time to preach on it. Lord have mercy. He didn't even have time to get up there, Brother Robbins. I'd like to read my text now from the first commandment. And then tomorrow night we're starting a series. I'm taking the 10 night series and I'm gonna call it the 10 commandments. Well, praise the Lord. Let me tell you something, Charlton Heston couldn't have touched the original Moses, I guarantee you that. The man never even got to preach the first sermon, Brother Harvey, because the people were so far out of sync with God and it so upset Moses coming straight where no man had ever walked. Not even Abraham's countenance was ever changed like Moses was. After God speaks to his servant Abraham and brings him a great lamb of deliverance on Mount Moriah. And the Lord God had worked a miracle and created a ram in the bushes. What a great experience. And the very next written verse about the life of Abraham is Sarah died. So from Jehovah Jireh, Mount Moriah, my son lives. You imagine him coming off that mountain, Brother Paul, running and skipping, hallelujah! Praise Adonai, praise Jehovah. And the very next verse of scripture says, and Sarah died. Don't you understand why real Christianity can be so perplexing to people? Why many will come and they will turn away. They just cannot handle the extremes. Has everybody, anybody ever been there? Three of you, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. To where you get in the presence of God and it is so wonderful. And you have a, such an awesome service or maybe an experience with God in your home or whatever it is. And you go from that to some terrible, terrible thing that has happened, some horrible news. And you think, God, how? How can this happen? Elijah, as we looked at him not long ago, standing up on the mountain, calling fire out of heaven, killing 400 prophets, and the very next day running from the threat of one woman. I cannot imagine the anointing that was on that man that he would be able to take some type of instrument of slaughter 
And one man killed 400 false prophets in a setting. Oh, yeah. 400 of them. And then the very next day, run for his life like a coward. And get under a juniper tree and ask God to kill him. He didn't even want to live another day. From one extreme to the other. Great trials that follow. Great blessings. Oh, Lord Jesus. After the birth of the church and great power and miracles were given. Acts 5, 17. Then the high priest rose up and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. Sure they were, anointed of the devil. And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Oh, Jack, they don't even get to enjoy this new infilling that they've had. They do a miracle or two and automatically all this starts turning loose. All hell breaks loose all around them. Look in chapter 12, verse two. And King Herod, of course, is who this referencing. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. So they don't get to come to church and enjoy their new church. They don't get to come and enjoy this brand new move that God has never done. It doesn't hardly last no time till all hell comes against them. And what did they do? Get discouraged and stay home? Get saddened and stay home? Well, I just don't think it's worth it. I just don't think it's worth all the hassle they're going through. They kept right on preaching anyhow. Now, I guarantee you one thing, we probably wouldn't have near as many preachers in this message if we went back to the Acts 2. And if there was a risk of every message preacher been thrown in jail every time he'd preach, I figured we'd get down to the real ones. Either that or might be a few crazy ones left. <laughs> but I figured that our numbers would definitely be a lot thinner than what they are right now. Because you know that you can be thrown in jail and what did it do to these guys? They kept right on preaching like there was no Herod. They kept right on preaching because they were called by God to do so. And somehow they understood by hearing the teaching of the Lord Jesus and it being quickened to them by the Holy Ghost that these things must happen after great blessings. They just got the Holy Ghost. They just got their lives changed. They just got filled with the Father himself and they expected all hell to break loose. Young people, let me encourage you tonight. You got the Holy Ghost at the youth camp, then just look for it, the devil's gonna come. But keep this in mind, you've got more to face him with than you had pre-youth camp. You've got more on your side. You've got more living inside of you that'll give you the ability. Well, what am I supposed to do, Brother Donnie? Keep right on pressing on. You older people sitting here tonight, you're going through a hard time. Oh, Brother Donnie, the Lord's been so good to me and he just blessed me here a few weeks ago with this and that or the other and it seemed like all hell broke loose. Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about tonight and what are you gonna do? You're gonna keep right on pressing. You're not letting the devil not gain one inch. As a matter of fact, we're going to take away from him because it is our rights, it is our privileges as the sons and daughters of God. So let me put hell on notice tonight. Devil, let my people go. Let my people go. You try to hold them with bondage of oppression and sadness and whatever more. 
in the name of the Lord Jesus, we have been called of God to bring deliverance to the people of God. Satan ain't got no right to claim you and I tonight. In the name of Jesus, shake him off. Hallelujah, shake him off. But I don't feel I could shake him off anyhow. I don't feel I praise him, the Lord praise him anyhow. Great trials after blessings. You see, this is the law that we're under right now, the law of contrast. But it ain't gonna be very long, and I'm gonna close. The law of contrast will no longer be needed and will no longer be living under it. And when the law changes, after we get great blessings, they'll be even greater in store. So when you've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, you've no less days to sing God's praise than when you first begun. Do you understand? It will take eternity for him to continuously be unveiling himself to us. You imagine, friend, you think you're gonna get bored in heaven? There is no way in the world we are ever gonna get bored. Ain't nobody gonna stand around and say, well, what are we gonna do today? What are we gonna do today, brother? And where are we gonna go? What are we gonna do? My goodness, we've been here 385,975,331 days. Uh, aren't you getting a little bit bored? What are we gonna do? He'll still be revealing himself. If we could even measure time as far as millions of years, it would go on. He's still revealing himself. And you're not tired, you're not weary, you're not going anywhere, you ain't got no watch, praise the Lord for that. You ain't got no time clock to punch. You ain't got no schedule to be there and to be somewhere else. Y'all ever feel like you're going 40 different directions at the same time and you're trying to keep up with everything? We live in a stressful age, do we not? But don't worry, children. There's a time coming when there won't be no stress in that land. There ain't gonna be no schedules for you to keep. There ain't gonna be no appointment that you gotta go to, praise the Lord. There'll be doctors there, but they just won't be practicing no more. There'll be former dentists there, but they won't be feeling no teeth. There'll be preachers there, but they won't be making no altar calls and they won't be laying hands on no sick because they have finally reached the spot to where blessings follow blessing and goodness follows goodness and the great things of God is followed by more great things of God. Let's say. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, don't you love him? Oh, my. How many can relate to what I'm talking about tonight? You know, the thing of it is, friends, if we're not aware of such things, Satan will try to convince us we've done something wrong. Oh, we've missed the Lord somehow. Well, if we have, let's just fix it and go on. If you've done something wrong, if you fell short of the glory of God, repent, make the thing right and go on. Don't wallow in that thing and let it steal your victory for the rest of your life. But a lot of times, it's not even that we've done something wrong. It's following the sequence of God's divine elect. They're the only ones that God can bring from this extreme. Others, yes, to baby them. Look at what the Bible says there when the people of Israel come out. There was a more direct way for them to have gone to the land of Canaan, a much more direct way. It'd have been a lot quicker. The journey, the miles would have been drastically cut off. But the Bible says that God would not bring them that way 
because they would become discouraged because of war. So God led them the long way around, but they thought the long way around was the wrong way. Now, they didn't have GPS, of course, global position system the way we do, but there might have been some people that had been there before and said, hey, I've been across this way before. This Moses guy's taking us 175 miles way out of the way. I don't understand this, do you? I don't understand this at all. Don't make a lick of sense to me. There's a more direct route there. And God said, yeah, there is one, but if you go that way, you'd be so discouraged in three or four days, you wouldn't want to make no further journey. So God said, believe me, sometimes when I take you the long way around, it's my grace to you. It's Amen. my grace to you. Amen. It's my mercy to you. Well, we asked God to heal us. And know this, oh God, you know, please bring it. God said, no, I think I'll go this way. I said, well, Lord, how come? Looks like to me it'd been a whole lot easier. Well, when you get to where you can be God and look down on the earth, then maybe he'll, he'll help you to understand that. But until we do, until you become God, I figure we better just stay down here on the earth and become his children and act what we are, dumb. Dumb and just say, well, Lord, I'm trusting you. I don't understand. And I finally got to a place I didn't want to ask to no more. I'm just going to believe and I pray, God, give me strength. Give me strength. Help me that I can be faithful. Help me that I can be true. Help me that I'll stand right there at the promise of God. And the church said, praise the Lord. Who's that for? You. Ah. Wow, thank you, Jesus. I was hoping I hadn't said all that for nothing. Now maybe he'll give me my word. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your mercy to us, Father. Thank you, Lord, for showing us how our journey leads sometimes. I pray for every person that raised their hand. Lord God, they would be able to contemplate and think about what was said. Maybe you've got them in the long road. And they can see across the river and they know if they could go this other way, it'd be a whole lot quicker. Most of us prefer miracles over divine healing. Most of us prefer, Lord, that Our pain is shortened. Our suffering is shortened. What we go through is short. Lord, sometimes we know your way is so much different than ours. But Lord God, I pray that you would help us. When we feel it, we'll praise you. When we don't feel it, we're still going to praise you. When we feel it and we're excited to go to church, we're going to go. And when we don't feel like going to church and when we're not so excited, we're still going to come anyhow. And we're not going to sit down with a big, long, mule-looking face because we ain't mules. But we're going to put forth our best effort. We're going to sing. We're going to clap our hands and worship you and praise you because tonight might be the very night that I praise myself right out of this valley. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, we worship you tonight. Father, I pray for your encouragement. I pray for healing. I pray for strength for your people, Lord. No doubt the people are facing different things and going through different things. You would have never had me to go this way were it not for multiple reasons, Lord. So I pray that you would minister to every heart tonight, Lord Jesus. We believe you're mindful of us. 
I pray for your God-called ministry around the world. Lord, I know, been in touch with many of them around the world. Preachers fight so much. Lord, and there's such an onslaught of hell against the churches all over the world. One thing after another after another hitting them, Lord. I pray, Father, oh, if Satan can discourage the pastors especially, get them where they're weary and feel like they're just wasting their time and no matter what they preach, people do whatever they want to do. And Oh, but Lord, I pray for your men servants tonight, Father. May you encourage every God-called pastor. May you so bless them, Lord, and lift their hands when they feel weary. Lift their spirits, Father, when they feel like they're wasting their life and wasting their time. May your presence undergird them, Lord God. I pray for your evangelists on the field. Father, I pray for every aspect of the ministry tonight, Lord. May you help them, Lord Jesus. Father, we need you like never before. We worship you tonight, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, we want to have a place where as we were singing the song before, that not only is this building your house, but my body is your house. And their bodies are your house. Know ye not that your temple, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Then, Lord God, we don't just worship when we're in here, but we worship every day. Hallelujah. Really, we're, we're looking for an opportunity to praise you because we know that's what we're called to do. Oh, Jesus, we bless your name tonight, Father. Hallelujah. I mean, needs a touch from the Lord. No matter what it is, now just raise your hands up. Close your eyes in the presence of the King. Praise the Lord God. May the presence of the Holy Ghost just move up and down these aisles and the angels of the Lord come by your way tonight, brother, sister. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, we worship you tonight. We call upon you as old blind Bartimaeus did so many years ago. We don't call you son of David because you're not son of David to us. But we just repeat his words to quote the scripture. All thou son of David, have mercy on me. But we say tonight, oh, our bridegroom, have mercy on us. Our bridegroom, give us of your favor. Give us of your strength. Give us of your healing. Give us of your deliverance. Oh, blessed Jesus, we don't ask you. Keep us out of hardships. Keep us out of trials, but give us strength to go through them, Lord. May we behave ourselves as sons and daughters of God. Oh, we worship you tonight, Father. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sing something for us now. Hey, let's just, let's just worship him together, can we? Whatever you have need of right now. Let's just give him a few minutes. I know you got to work tomorrow and school and all that sort of thing. But surely we can take just a few more minutes to be able to minister back to him, to let him know how much we appreciate him speaking to us tonight. We thank you, Father. Thank you for your mercy. We need you, Lord. We thank you for your grace, Jesus. We need you, Lord. 
We do, Father. Oh, yes, we do, Jesus. We need you, Lord. Sing it now with all your heart. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Right now. Hallelujah. We lift our hands. We lift our hands. Bow our knees and, and worship at your throne. Tell him, I need you, Lord. I need you. I need strength.